Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for joining me. This is the launch of Romans 1 podcast, looking at sex, lies, and idolatry in the culture. I'll explain in a little bit what I mean by that. Joining me today is Jeff Dornick. He is the founder of Gatekeepers, and I'll let him introduce himself to tell you all about his wonderful uh, website that hosts lots of different podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Of course, you know. Th- thanks for having me on. It's uh, fun fun to be on here for your for your very first episode. No, thank you. It's it's an exciting time. I think we have a lot that we need to share with people and discuss. Uh, Romans One is uh, my new website where I it's a platform for writers, Christian writers, Christian Christian journalists who have a lot to say about the culture, who want to kind of rein it back in and impose God's truth on things that are going on today and see things that are going on in light of how God sees them and in light of biblical truth uh, as far as politics, culture, and all that sort of thing. And I really like the website. It has uh, it's all articles. This podcast will be there, but it will also be hosted and I mean posted at Gatekeepers, so you'll be able to find it there as well. And Jeff is just such a great voice today, Christian voice, uh, that we need to understand politics and culture and why Christians need to be involved in everything that's going on today. So I'll let you go ahead and tell us your vision and what all you're doing at Gatekeepers. Yeah, of course. And and again, I, I appreciate, you know, everything that, that you're doing as well, just with, you know, with your website and with, you know, having different people on there and, you know, writing articles and engaging with, with culture, because I feel like that's one of those things that's really missing within Christianity a lot, a lot of times. It's, it's almost like we set up our own our own culture to a certain degree, and that's completely separate. And it's like, but if we're going to be light shining into darkness, we got to get out into the darkness a little bit and engage with that. Um, so I really appreciate, you know, you even just engaging with what's going on and shining light into a lot of this kind of stuff. So, um, but but with a really quick quick rundown of what we do uh, here uh, with uh, gatekeepers is, you know, we've got um, articles that are constantly going up. We've got uh, multiple different podcasts. Um, that, that we put out and everything is from a Christian biblical worldview. S- some of the stuff we, a lot of stuff that we deal with is dealing with stuff going on within the church. Um, a lot, you know, we've been dealing a lot with the social justice fight. We've been dealing a lot with, uh, you know, cultural Marxism infiltrating the left infiltration, uh, that sort of thing. Um, but then also too, is like, we just have good solid 
uh, Bible teaching from some great pastors. We've got some great lay people that do a more focus on uh, stuff going on with like culture and society and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a good mix, and it's really cool to you know add you to the mix as well with with this new show. And uh, again, it's just the more we can engage with culture and what's going on, the better, I think. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't realize, in my background, if you're listening to this, if you know anything about my professional history, you would probably know me more from my political writings. Um, I've written a lot of different websites, The Federalist, Daily Wire, PJ Media, Conservative Review back in the day um, before it joined with Blaze. I've been on Blaze TV, Sean Hannity, Fox News, all these different shows. And all of my commentary up to this point has been pretty much cultural and political commentary. Uh, you know, I wrote a book with Dan Bongino called Spygate, and it was analyzing the Russia, Russia fiasco and Russia hoax and all that went into that. And I have a current book out about what men want to say to women, where I talk about sexuality. So people usually know me more about these kinds of issues and don't know my religious and theological training and background. And they probably don't know a lot about yours as either. So right. um, that we do bring some kind of insight and awareness and understanding to our commentary on political stuff and the cultural things from our own um, education and history. I studied at Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando many moons ago. I was a teacher's assistant with R.C. Sproul and worked in his ministry called Ligonier Ministries, where I was a contributing editor and wrote Bible studies there for their magazine Table Talk. So uh, my studies were focused on systematic theology and Christian history and good little reformed girl at the time, but not so much today. But uh, that was my background with a lot of strong um, teaching and um, education in Christian history and Christian writings. Um, very well versed, not just in, in Protestant uh, works, but in Catholic. I think we need to be well versed in our entire Christian heritage, which many Protestants aren't. But I encourage them to be because there's a lot of richness there, even as we disagree on many theological, obviously very important theological differences. Right. So that's kind of what I bring to the table, as well as my political and and cultural commentary that I've done for several years um, in the public sphere. And you have you came out of John MacArthur's church. So if you want to tell us about that, so people have a little bit more of a context of your background. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, I was actually, I, w I would say I was, I was born into John MacArthur's church, you know, a very, uh, you know, hardcore, hardcore, uh, what I would, what I would refer to as like a MacArthurite, you know, up, upbringing, um, you know, like churches that we would always go to growing up, you know, even when we didn't live in California was, it was always an offshoot of MacArthur's church or somebody who used to be a pastor there, you know, something like that. Um, and growing up until just a few years ago, like I read almost exclusively, you know, his book. So I really credit a lot of my theological positions and beliefs to uh, to like John MacArthur and his Bible teaching and things along those lines. Um, but over the last few years, I've kind of become weary of a lot of these, you know, like megachurch pastors. And as, as I've been building relationships and, and friendships, um, you know, being in this whole podcasting world and blogging world and all that kind of stuff, I've come to the realization that, you know, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of issues with a lot of the what I would refer to as like the evangelical elite. Um, and so it's, it's been an interesting kind of progression, I guess, I guess, you know, kind of my eyes being open to a certain degree over the last few years. Um, you know, my, my background a little bit too was, you know, I, w I went to college for, uh, for a degree in Christian ministries, focus on youth. Um, I ended up not finishing college just because the economy hit, had, you know, needed to go out and get a job, all that kind of stuff around 2008 ish or, or whatever. But, 
Uh, my focus was really on Christian ministries. I've been a worship leader, uh, worked with youth for many years, um, and then uh, was in the business world for quite a while. And then uh, now it's fun to kind of go down this whole podcasting, uh, writing articles, writing books, like all that kind of stuff. It's it's a whole different world, but I totally love it. So. It is a different world, but it's something that we bring, whether we're in politics or culture or in the church, some of the same issues run have threads that run all through it. Um, this is God's kingdom, and we're all part of it, like I said, to be salt and light, and we, a lot of the same issues crop up. And when you've been involved in Christian ministry, uh, big Christian ministries like both of us have, I mean, I worked with Ligonier Ministries. I also worked in church ministry for about a decade, and my husband was a pastor, and you know, did counseling, did Christian apologetics at college campuses and, and all that kind of thing, um, which was a lot of fun, but di- very different from what I'm doing now and what I have been doing. And it, it is um, strange but odd to, to bring that convergence of those different experiences to bear in cultural commentary today and and make people aware of maybe looking at things like they haven't seen them before. And, and that's why I, I named the um, website I have Romans 1, because I think Romans 1 is such a, a great description of how people think in the culture that has turned its back on Christianity. Because we live in a very, wouldn't you say, post-Christian age in a lot of ways, and, and the church is floundering a bit within the culture. And one of the things that Christians need to realize is that the culture doesn't know the truth. It just suppresses the truth. And we need to proclaim the truth and confront people to about the truth and exhort them and educate them. And that involves educating the church about its own truth and about what's going on in culture, which is very important, and not be separated from it. When when God said to Adam and Eve, one of the first mandates was to cultivate and to seek dominion over the world. And culture is the world. Culture is the world in the place that we are to cultivate for Christ. We are to cultivate not just by evangelizing, but by spreading love, godly love, and the way you love your neighbor is by living in truth, calling people to truth, calling people to back to the first principles that God has established for all human beings. And that is especially true in America, where we, the people, are the government. And so our voice is very, very important at this time and in this age. And I think you agree with that and see that and really want to call people to be more engaged, to be more transformers of the culture. And especially a culture like ours, like in Romans 1, that's so obsessed with sex, that has um, abandoned God's truth um, for lies and, you know, seeks um, to worship other idols rather than God himself. And that's why I call it sex, lies, and adultery, because basically in Romans 1, that's what Paul points out. You know, God's given people over to these cravings of the flesh, and we see such a disruption about that in, in the American identity and our human identity and our sexual identity and our idolatry. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today is the, on the point of idolatry. And it, it's, we're springboarding from an article I wrote about in response to the um, lawsuit against Tucker Carlson and others at Fox News. Once more, I think this is just more Me Too movement, uh, you know, trying to take down a conservative. But my concern is, and I think it's your concern as well, that we are making too much of an idol of many of these uh, political voices, these journalists, these media figures, these media media stars that will defend them and automatically jump to defense no matter what. And by that, I don't mean that we should think that they're guilty or to presume innocence. But as, as Christians, we understand that people are sinners and we are not to put our faith and our hopes in men 
but in God himself. And, and that's a big concern. And, the, and you have a lot of commentary about that, about church leaders, that we put mm-hmm. our faith too much in individual men. And when they fall or if they were to, that is shocking to people and it really shouldn't be. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting, and I always kind of tell this story is, you know, there was one time I was sitting in a, I was sitting in a Bible study and uh, the guy that was leading the Bible study was, you know, basically the way that he structured it. And again, you got to remember my context, I'm coming from a very John MacArthur, you know, crowd, right? Uh, But this is even when I was still kind of in that mentality was the Bible study was we read the passage and then we look at the John MacArthur study notes to understand the passage. And so it was always pointing to the John MacArthur interpretation of it, right? And and I remember there was one point when I talked to the Bible study leader, and I'm like, but what happens, and I'm not saying that that's happened or anything bad or what anything along those lines, but it's like, but what happens if John MacArthur fails? And let's say he gets disqualified from, from ministry. Um, what happens if all of, all of a sudden... Um, what happens if all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're going through the study and we come, we come to a point where John MacArthur is wrong on something, but we've just pointed everybody in the Bible study to follow after and look to John MacArthur for the source of truth. And so I, so I think it's like, use these people as a springboard for further study, but then figure out what, what does God's word actually say? And I think that we have that problem within, within Christianity to a certain degree where we rely too much on our pastors and then we also have that too much within politics, where we are relying too much on the individual politicians as opposed to the ideology and the message. You know, it's like, you know, we could point to somebody like a Tucker Carlson. We could point to somebody like a Donald Trump. On the left, we can even point to somebody like Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden. It's like people on both sides, there's this tribalism. You identify with that individual person, and then you and then you basically align your beliefs with everything that they say. And on top of that, you will defend them to the death, no matter what accusations come their way. And I feel like that's a very dangerous place, with, both within the church and within, you know, secular society as well. Yeah, and, and it's especially hard today. And I'm sure anyone who's listening to this who knows about what's all going on in the culture wars, it's hard when the the right, in this case, um, conservative commentators or pseudo conservative commentators, uh, and Christianity itself, and our, our liberty, our America, as founded is being actively attacked by the left. And so that forces us, you know, to to form our little group and, and put our walls around and circle the wagons, which there's a place to do that politically, I think, and especially in elections and politics. Um, and when someone's being falsely accused, of course, don't jump on the bandwagon of uh, robbing them of due process, even in the public sphere. But we still need to have a spirit of wisdom, of restraint, of pulling back and having a bigger picture of what's going on, remembering always that these are sin- sinful people. We all are. Um, they're not God. They're, a lot of them are broken. And I'll just speak to in the media, especially big, high-powered media, entertainment-type media, Hollywood, and the connection of New York, L.A., and all of it's connected, Fox and all of that. It's a very uh, corrupt not making judgments about individuals here, but just the industry is pretty much a swill. Um, lots of greed, ambition, it's all in there. And and so Christians just need to be aware of that. that, that we're not talking about pure institutions. And it's bad enough when you have to deal with fallen people in the church. <laughs> but think about what it is when you're when you're getting into entertainment and worldly, you know, empires like this. And and I just would like to see more caution. When, instead of uh, being so dependent on these voices, I, I actually hear panic 
a lot of the time from people when a conservative uh, is attacked in this way. And even when the, it's com- it comes out that they're true, it's just like they don't want to believe it. And then they have such anxious, they're anxious and, and we, we're going to lose those voices and what's going to happen and they're tearing us all down. And yes, the left is trying to tear us down. Yes, we should fight the cancel culture. Yes, we should fight deplatforming and false accusations by uh, women in the Me Too movement. But at the same time, we need to distance ourselves a bit and know that God is ultimately in control. He's working through this. Maybe he needs to clean house. Maybe there are things that need to go, even if they are great voices. And also remember that they are replaceable. And there are many, many voices, writers, journalists, commentators, people who authors who are out there um, who aren't heard a lot because they don't have the money and the power. And, you know, they're there. And when we have these networks and we're, we're supporting each other and we're speaking the truth as well, um, you know, think of it as a safety net, if you, if you will, if these big guys fall. Um, but we should not hang so much on these these uh, popular celebrity figures, as much good as they do. And we do like their, their voices and they have a big m- microphone. But um, I'm just concerned about the idol worship and the fear and the anxiety that I see coming from people surrounding uh, fallen people. Uh, and that's you know especially true in the church. I mean, like you said with MacArthur, I saw the same thing with Sproul's ministry. You know, if R.C. Sproul says it, it's true. And if R.C. Sproul wrote it, it's true. And believe me, I was his teacher's assistant. He was my professor. I have great respect for these profound teachers in the church, and and they give us so much, and we're to honor our teachers. But they are not. God, and they are not the scripture itself. You know, as Protestants, we look to the scripture, the priesthood of all believers. Um, we have the Holy Spirit in us to discern truth, and we have guides, we, we have writers, we have teachers, we have pastors who, who help us along that journey. But our eye always has to stick and stay on Christ and on God and on his truth and what he says, because sometimes that means you're going to end up standing pretty much alone. And, you know, I find that even today, if I even remotely criticize some of these big names, you know, I'm ostracized or silenced. How dare you? And uh, we we simply have to have more balance, even as we're being attacked by the other side. What do you think? Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, it's one of those things, too, that's that's been thrown at me is like, how dare you criticize a pastor who's been a faithful minister of God's word for 50 years? And it's like, but does that make him right or wrong? Like like that, that that's kind of where my mind goes to. But what's interesting, I think I feel like is is I've had an interesting um, background in the sense of I've had I've had my foot in, you know, within Christianity. I've worked some in and around, you know, like Hollywood and like that whole scene. And then, I've, you know, I'm also working within the political scene as well. So I kind of have people going, uh, you know, connections in each of these different industries, right? And, you know, the thing is that Hollywood always gets a really bad rap for a lot of the, you know, essentially the sinfulness and the, you know, just awful debauchery and like all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, is that a lot of times when you see like the tabloids and all that kind of stuff, you're like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. In all reality, knowing people, talking to people, more than likely it's worse than what you see in the tabloids. I'm just going to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. But then I went and I had, you know, one of the last times I was out in Washington, D.C., had lunch with a friend of mine. We were sitting there talking and he's like, yeah, uh, Washington, Washington, D.C. is about 
50 times worse than anything that you've seen in Hollywood. And so it's that much more corrupt, but they do a better job of covering it up, hiding it, you know, putting putting a good game face on and that sort of thing. But what's been really surprising is like there's also a lot of, you know, bad, sinful things going on within the church, within Christianity. But again, it, there's this PR uh, you're dealing with multi-million dollar ministries, multi-million dollar organizations and all that kind of stuff. So they have to, you know, they, it's like they're these, these pastors and these celebrity people, they're too big to fail. We can't allow them to fail. If they fail, then there goes our income, there goes our ministries. And then they, they almost tie them to the point to where if this person fails, it's going to destroy Christianity. And it's like, but maybe the problem is we're putting too much faith in these individual people, as opposed to, with God and God's word and biblical truth. And I feel like the same could be said about politics. Maybe we're putting too much of our trust in Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity or even Donald Trump. I mean, for, for all we know, tomorrow, any one of them could be you know completely taken out. And then what? Maybe we need to get back to trusting in God, trusting in truth, trusting in what we believe, as opposed to these individual, uh, fallible, sinful people. Right. And even if they're not taken out, you know, because of anything they've done, they're completely innocent, but they're taken out. And right. You no, know, it just ha- happens, and it e- even happens by the right, who cancel their own, as we know, um, because that happens. Um, people are taken out, and you know, we have to be able to hold them loosely and put them in perspective, and not give them all the power. Because the more power you give them, the more you're actually giving to them the power to those who want to take them out. Because they, you know, if we're putting them up as the strongholds, they're going to be targeted as strongholds. But if they're held just in perspective um, and not given so much power, and maybe the power is dispersed among more voices, then that will actually lessen the threat by those who seek to cancel um, cancel and deplatform and de- them. And I, I think we need to keep that in mind, that not putting all our eggs in so few baskets. That's, but, an, that's an interesting point, because, because I think to a certain degree, if, if we stopped idolizing these people, we stop putting them up on such a high pedestal, then maybe what we could do is we could force the left and force those that disagree with us to actually engage in our arguments. Because when you think about it, like when uh, when when a, when a debate happens between a conservative and a progressive, oftentimes what happens is it automatically goes to, but don't can't you see how awful Donald Trump is? It's like you could be talking about anything, but it's Donald Trump bad. And at a certain <laughs> point, it, it's because we put him up on this such a high pedestal as conservatives that what if we didn't put all these people up so high on a pedestal? What if we didn't idolize all these guys and we just made it about the issues? Then if they discredit somebody, it doesn't matter because we don't care about them. And then maybe we could force them to actually engage with the, with the actual issues that we're trying to discuss instead of the personalities that, that we idolize. Exactly, because when you make idols, they're used against you. They're idols for destruction. And you know, but if you don't make them idols, if you put your faith in the power in God alone, in truth and principles, in His way, then it takes the tooth and the teeth out of the beast that's trying to take you down. It also makes life easier for those people themselves. I mean, they like their money, but I can I know I know these people personally. They don't like that they have to live in bunkers and walk around with bodyguards and have to worry about their families being doxxed. They they hate it. So, um, so if we took, didn't give them so much focus and so much attention and so much power, and it, I, that would remove some of that. And uh, you know that idolatry needs to be pulled back a bit and pulled back completely, actually, when it comes to idolatry. Yeah, but I agree with you. I mean, I think that 
uh, we would just be lessening the threat that comes from those who are trying to target these few because we do set them up. And I understand what you're talking about, about Trump. I mean, I could be talking about something completely unrelated to Trump and I will inevitably get, well, you know, Trump's this, da, 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 as if that's some kind of argument to discredit me because I voted for Trump mm-hmm. and I support Trump politically. So they're they're kind of forcing the left likes to force us and reduce us into a tribe and reduce us into, oh, you're just a Trump supporter. Oh, you're just a Fox News head, you know, and um, but if we and I think too often we kind of let them do that by our own actions. Yeah. And I would say pull back and don't do that. Really focus on the issues. Give more uh, authority, spread out the authority, the moral authority and. And you let other voices come to the rise and don't, you know, even like funding, don't give all the money just to these few people, spread it out for more voices. The more targets that the enemy has to aim at, the harder it's going to be to take us down. So, right. And, and, and make, make it make it about the message. Don't make it about the people. Don't like, you know, not to throw names out there, but don't make it about Trump. Don't make it about Candace Owens. Don't make it about Charlie Kirk. Don't make it about your favorite news source or whatever it is. Make it make it about the actual issue. You know, you know, in, in with like a lot of my friends, like out here in California, I would say, you know, you, you can't walk 10 feet without bumping into into a liberal. You know, it's just that's the reality of, of the way it is out here. But the thing that I keep telling a lot of my friends is I don't watch the news. I don't watch Fox. I don't watch CNN. I I don't care as much what the what the pundits say or, you know, because that's just they're talking about their opinion about something that happened. I don't care about that. What I care about is the actual truth. So I'll go watch an actual Trump speech, not what CNN or Fox says about it. I will go read the actual bill, not somebody's interpretation of what the bill is. And I feel like for me, it's it's really made it to where I'm not going with the wind. I'm not being pushed to and fro. I'm just like, I got, I got to get down to the truth. And so then that gives me a little bit more credibility when I talk about things with a lot of my liberal friends about something like Donald Trump, because I'm like, because they'll be like, but, but he said this, or he said that I'm like, I don't really care, but let's look at what he actually did. Can we come back here and let's look at this actual issue and then let's bypass the personality of Trump and let's look at, okay, what did he accomplish? Was that good or bad? And, and I think that that's kind of as conservatives and even as Christians, what we really need to get back to as well. Yeah, the cult of personality is definitely on the left and the right, and it, it causes all kinds of mayhem, like you're mm-hmm. describing. And it, they become the focus, and they make themselves the focus. One, one of the reasons why, when um, I was deplatformed by my own side last year. Um, I had to sit back and go, well, you know, what did I want to do with my career? And one thing that I found troubling and I didn't like, even when I was in the height of working in conservative media, was the personal branding of it all. And uh, when you are your brand, I think it kind of feeds that cult of personality. And I'm not saying that everyone shouldn't promote, people shouldn't promote themselves. You shouldn't have your name on your podcast or whatever. Uh, but I think too often this branding of self as as political personalities and media personalities feeds that culture, not only for the people listening to them, but for themselves. So saving and, and protecting the brand, protecting the, the personality, protecting that little cult becomes paramount so that you will even probably turn on your inside at some point to protect it. And so when I decided, what am I going to do now? I was going to start... Um, a denisemcallister.com website, create my own brand 
And then I pulled back and said, no, I don't want to be the brand. I, I, you know, I want to be a voice. Um, but I, you know, I, I want to, like you said, speak about truth, but I don't want it to be about me. And I don't want to have to be promoting me. I want to, I want to be champion something else besides me. And what's better to champion than God's truth and bringing God's truth to bear on culture. And you're doing that at gatekeepers and Romans one, that's what we do. The focus there is not me. It's not individuals. Uh, it, it's the truth that's being brought through the writing and, uh, you know, and how it bears on the things that are happening today. And you can agree with it or not. I mean, but, but these are, that's our goal. That's our intent. That's what we're striving toward is to bring things, all, all thoughts, all writings under captive for Christ and, um, and bring the truth and, and interpret the times that we live in, in light of God's truth, because we are to seek dominion over this world and over this culture for God. And we are to, you know, we have kind of, Have the freedom. One of the glories about living in America is we have the freedom to do that, as as co-participants in the culture, and we can make a difference. We don't live in some kind of monarchy where we're oppressed, and we can't speak. And we have that, and and unfortunately, we don't speak. We don't use that liberty to guide the culture, to um, seek dominion over the culture, and to cultivate it for Christ. We don't. We just sit back. Too many Christians just sit back as if they're not part of it as if they're not, you know, in the world or of the world or any other way in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're going to lose your culture where you have the freedom to spread the gospel, where you're living out the mandate that God has given you. And we, we need to be doing that and taking that responsibility seriously, as well as spreading the word of God and spreading the gospel. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, 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 I th- and I think also kind of going along with that, I think that for, for way too long, uh, both conservatives and Christians have either not engaged with culture and or um, we've constantly just been on the defensive. And then and then the left and you know and uh, and the progressives and all that, they've been on the offensive constantly, right? So they're trying to constantly gain ground. They're winning, and a lot of it's because we've we've all kind of been, you know, back on our heels or not even engaged or not even a, par- a part of the discussion or the debate or whatever it is. And and I think it's really easy for us as Christians to just sit back and complain about, can you believe how messed up this culture has gotten? Can you believe how far Black Lives Matter has 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 gone? Can you believe, you know, all this kind of stuff? And at a certain point, I put the blame on on the shoulders of the church. The church has failed to actually deal with these issues, to actually engage in culture. And, and the thing is, is that if we actually believe that our faith is real, then the principles that are found in God's word should apply. And when and when push comes to shove, they actually succeed. They're actually the right principles that that, it, that when applied, get the right results and that that all comes back to what is truth. If it's true, then it's actually going to play out and it's actually going to work out in the way that God says that it will. And we see that it does. But the thing is that if we don't actually engage with these ideas, we don't actually show the validity of them, we're going to lose every single time just for non-participation. Well, absolutely. And this, like you said about the defensiveness, you know, I think there's also this cult of niceness. Christians want to be seen nice. They're too concerned about how they're perceived. They want they and as the world defines nice, not as God defines what is love, because uh, love can be kind of fierce. 
and it can be kind of divisive if it's biblical love. Being nice is, is appeasing and placating those around you and being more concerned about how you're perceived than about God's truth being brought to bear in this world. And one thing about, I, I love about Romans 1 that makes us bold is, is that you don't have to always be on the defensive as a Christian. I think too many Christians think, oh, I have to prove my points. I have to prove everything. I have to defend everything. Um, no, sometimes you just, you've got to understand these people know the truth. They suppress it. God's truth is God's truth, and it's powerful. Proclaim it and speak it. Challenge the lies by bringing in the light, by speaking the truth. And But you have to know what the darkness is to do that. You have to know when to speak that truth. You have to know, for example, that Black Lives Matters is an anti-Christian Marxist organization that is against the family as God designed it. If you don't know that, you won't know to speak the truth to it, and you won't know how to fight it and and counter its propaganda in our society, which is threatening Christians. So I, you know, we need to know that so that we can speak the truth in it instead of being so weak and defensive and being afraid to offend. Guys, the gospel, the, the truth of God is a sword. It's offensive and it causes disruption because we live in a sinful world. If you speak the truth, it's going to cause conflict. If you're a Christian, you're going to have to learn to deal with that. You don't seek it out. You don't seek out to be offensive. But you know that as a Christian, when you're speaking the truth, you will offend, but that's fine. They need to be offended. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's just, just look at Jesus' ministry. I mean, he, I, I, he, he, I don't think that you would perceive his public ministry and the things that he preached and taught as being nice. Like, yeah. he was calling names, brood of vipers, woe to you, Pharisees, hypocrites, uh, you know, like, calling them whitewashed tombs. Like, it was like insult after insult after insult, but he had the truth on his side. And I, and I think that that's, that's where a lot of this comes down to. I, th- I think we're looking, at, we're looking at this world, and like you mentioned, Black Lives Matter, and we see, we see, that, we see this happening, right? Obviously, when there's white supremacy or racism that's going on, that creates chaos and disorder because that is ungodly, anti-biblical. It goes against everything that the, that the Bible teaches about. When we see Black Lives Matter succeeding, we're, like literally, I don't think anybody could say that this is order that's going on. What we're seeing is chaos, disorder. Uh, we're seeing rampant sin. Uh, we're, see, we're seeing chaos literally just happen before our eyes. Maybe, wild thought, why don't we try out the biblical principle of the fact that we're all one race? Like, like there's, there's neither Jew nor Greek. We're all one in Christ. Why don't, why don't we take that principle, apply it? Oh, wow. Maybe with that, maybe, maybe we could get a little bit of order. Maybe we could get a little bit of unity because again, the biblical principles, they work, but, but for whatever reason, we're not putting forth this idea or, or either that, or we're not doing it very well. And, uh, if we can figure out how to actually implement a lot of this kind of stuff, we'd show, look, Christianity works. The Bible works. Here, here's the evidence for it. I think part of that is is the risk of being accused of being unloving, accused of not being tolerant, um, accused of false accusations of racism, and being cast out from the in-group. And people don't like that. We don't want to be alone. No one likes to stand alone. We want to be with the group. And it's just easier to go along and get along. And so you end up seeing even Christians embracing 
Black Lives Matter and other organizations and other groups and other thoughts, not really diving into what's behind any of this. You also see a whole bunch of laziness. I think people don't want to take the time to really think through what's going on, to have critical thinking when they look at what's going on in our culture. They don't know the scriptures enough to be able to know how to interpret the signs of the times through the scripture. And this is all the way that the church needs to be strengthened. Christians need to be strengthened instead of protecting their own little kingdoms, their own little tribe, their own little group, their own little status, their own feelings, their own pet celebrities. Instead of letting Ben Shapiro go out there and do the work, you do the work. And instead of propping him up as invaluable, remind yourself that the truth is what's invaluable. And that's what you stand on. That's what you speak. That's what you need to seek out and know. You need to seek know God's truth. And you need to know the truth about what's going on around you. We may disagree in our in our interpretations, both of Scripture and of what is going on in society. But the conversation needs to be had. The critical thinking needs to be employed. The boldness to speak truth and bring these things to bear and understand, and even when it causes conflict, needs to happen. Instead of running away and being afraid of the conflict and just letting these big personalities have the megaphones and let, letting them take all the hits and then crying about it if somehow they're either taken down legitimately or not and thinking that there's this great void now in society or in the church and we're all lost. Uh, you know, We need to empower ourselves through the Holy Spirit and through his word and let God empower us to do his work and equip us to do this work in the times that we live. Yeah, and that that's a really good point too about about you know we, we a lot of times we just sit back and we and we let the the big names go out and do something and it's almost like we have this mentality that they're superhuman. These these people, you know, whether they're pastors, uh, political figures, uh, commentators, whatever it is, we think that they're like superhuman. They have these special abilities that are necessary. You know, I don't compare to the you know the ability to talk as fast or you know maybe be as smart as somebody like a Ben Shapiro, or I'm not as theologically sound as whatever your favorite celebrity pastor is. I don't I don't understand Greek or Hebrew or whatever it is. But when you look at the Bible, God is always using everyday random people. He, he, it, like when, when Jesus chose his disciples, he chose a bunch of blue collar, untrained, uneducated guys to start his church. When, you know, look at, look at Moses. Yes, Moses, Moses was trained, you know, within Pharaoh's court and that sort of thing. But at the same time, he had more than likely had a speech impediment. Uh, you know, he, he was on the run for, uh, for killing a guy. He had a, he had a really bad background. You look at da- you look at David, David was a shepherd boy. God intentionally always chose these people that were not in, that were intentionally not superhuman, that they didn't have superior intellect. They, they weren't the smartest, most educated, most qualified people. He, he chose everyday people to take a stand. And, you know, look at Martin Luther. Martin Luther wasn't this superhuman whatever guy. He was just a priest who saw, hey, there's a problem. I'm going to, I'm going to write it down and I'm going to, and I'm going to take a stand. Maybe that's something that we all need to, that we all need to realize is that we can all look at all these people and make excuses why we don't get involved. But at the same time, maybe all it's going to take is one of us, one of us, you know, small, no name people without the education, without the training, without the background or whatever it is to stand up, take a stand and make our voice heard. Who knows? Maybe God will use you. 
Maybe, maybe he won't. Maybe he'll just use you as a piece. Maybe he'll use the broader you know, coalition of a bunch of uneducated people, a bunch of people that aren't superhuman or anything along those lines. And I think that that's what we need to remember is that it's not about who's the smartest. It's not about who has the, the best you know, ability to uh, vocalize things. It does, it's not even necessarily about the best writer. It's just about being obedient, taking a stand and not, willing to back, not be willing to back down. Well, and that's true. I mean, you're talking about coalition. I mean, the whole body of Christ is made up of all kinds of different people. And one of the glories of it is that we all are gifted differently. We all have our different abilities. Uh, we all have our different parts to play. Not everyone's going to do it in the exact same way. Um, and the thing is, instead of tack- stepping back and being passive, really look at how you can engage in the way God has made you and called you uh, to make a difference instead of putting it off on others that we then make to be indispensable and we get all fearful and anxious when they're threatened. Uh, You know, let the full diversity of God's body in Christ's church come to bear on the culture in different ways, all with the same intent to be obedient, you know, to seek first the kingdom of God, you know, to put God's ways first, to fear him, not the world, to seek his will and not our own, Uh, to be obedient to God. I mean, like Ecclesiastes says, these things will come and go. The seasons for everything. You're going to have you know, countries rise and nations fall, and good things are going to happen to bad people. Bad things are going to happen to good people, and all in, in between. We're called to maintain and be steadfast in our obedience to Him and in our mandates that He has been given. To, he has given to us as the proclaimers of the gospel and as as those who are to represent him on this planet that he made for us to seek dominion over it in spreading his righteousness and love in this world. We are not to sit back and let other people do that. And especially in America, where we have such a glorious gift from our founding Christian fathers who uh, created this world, this nation, you know, where we have a voice in its governing. And key to making that work is participation in the public sphere. And in de Tocqueville's um, uh, Democracy in America, he commented when he came to America about how it functioned and the way it worked was the participation of people in the system, in politics, in culture, in holding each other account about different behaviors, different things. I know that sounds all meddlesome and it sounds um, very socially conservative and and we can all have our different opinions about how all that translates into policy. But the point is, is that there was involvement, there was engagement, and and especially in the context of engagement with with an eye to God's truth and not just letting, you know, society run rampant and then hoping that a few biggie wigs are going to come in and save the day. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it also takes into consideration sin and the, and the, and it, you know there's so many checks and balances mm-hmm. within the american system because the founding fathers understood that it's so easy to fall into into sin and and i think as we see the 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 left really capturing more and more of our government and the systems and all that kind of stuff we see just how much sin there actually is with a lot of our leaders. And that's not just exclusive to Democrats. That's Democrats and Republicans. It's it's everybody. It's even Christians to a certain degree. It's, you know, sin is, people are not immune to sin. And that's something that I think that we need to remember. And I think the founding fathers understood that. And so they set up the American system when, when applied properly, 
that separated out the power. So that way there was never going to be a single person that could come in, take over, take control and do like what, what a lot of the governors have been actually doing here in America, because the system is, is failing uh, profusely right now. Uh, we've got a bunch of mini Kings all over the country right now. Um, but the founding fathers saw this. And so they put in the proper checks and balances and it, that's the beauty of the of the American system. But the only way it's going to work is if we do our part and we participate and we engage in the conversation. We go out and vote. We make sure that we're educated on what we're voting on. Um, you know, like we're a part of those checks and balances. Like we have a responsibility, and I think that we need to make sure that we stand up and we participate. Yeah, exactly. When you when you diversify power, you diversify sin. You separate it. You weaken it. Uh, and so that you're able to get on better with life. And that's true not only in politics or, or the structure of government, but it's it's culturally. And it's how we engage. And like you said, we are part of that checks, um, check and balance system. And we need to be responsible in that as Christians and not shun that shun it or be afraid of it. And certainly not, you know, set up little kingdoms and kings in our own cultural spheres or religious spheres and be afraid to engage because it might cause some conflict or hurt people's feelings. It's just really important to remember that. And I, and I guess, you know, to kind of sum up what we've been talking about is that need to not put everything in those eggs in one basket, you know, and not get so distressed when someone is targeted. I mean, definitely fight for their freedom and not to be falsely accused. This conversation is more about how we, our perspective on it all and our responsibility in, all, in it all and not setting up these idols in, in culture and society and getting so distraught when they, it looks like they may come tumbling down. Yeah, well, let, let me let me let me ask you this too, because I know because you know we were talking about your article, and you know a lot of that's dealing with these accusations against like Tucker and, and Hannity and like all these guys. Is is how how sh in your opinion how should we be uh, handling a lot of these big name people that like a Tucker Carlson, right? He's been speaking truth to power in a way that a lot of conservatives I think have been afraid to do so, especially more recently. Um, so. So at a certain point, it's like I get why everybody's congregating around him and like looking up to him. But at the same time, how do we do that with having the proper checks and balances to where we're not idolizing the guy? Well, exactly. I mean, it's hard, like I said, when you are being attacked, you know, you're, you're we know he's being attacked. We know that this is part of an organized effort to bring down the conservative voice in America. So we, we see that. And so our tendency is to go and protect everyone no matter what. And even and especially in this case, when there's not a lot of evidence about him, him in particular, in this case, um, I what you do is that you keep your eye on the ball. You're like, you know, uh, protect, stand for truth. And if the truth is, is that he hasn't done anything, then you stand by that. You stand by due process. You stand by the principles here of, um, of freedom and not giving into false accusation. But when you start standing just to, to protect the man, um, that's when you get into a problem. And, and I see it when you start, if you start getting angry because someone goes, well, maybe we should give it time. You know, there may be some legit legitimacy here. There might be, or we should, we should withhold judgment either way. Not getting all angry and saying, no, 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 you know, we, we've got to support him no matter what. And by the way, I'm never going to talk to you again if you ever criticize Tucker Carlson or Donald Trump ever again. I mean, that is what you don't do. And, yeah. you know, so I don't know if that's a convoluted answer, but, it, you know, it, it's standing for the truth, focusing on the truth and being prepared for whatever truth comes down the pike and not focusing on the people and support the people as individuals, you know, be concerned, pray for them. 
but don't put all your faith in that. And certainly don't um, condemn other people who may be seeing those people differently or the situation differently. And keep your eye on on what's going on and the truth and the principles that need to be upheld here. Right. Yeah. You know, like I remember like looking back and, you know, you know, I used to always accuse uh, people on the left of, of essentially having the same kind of mentality towards, uh, you know, like Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or, you know, people like that. It was like people were just lining up with them because they were the, they were they were their poli- their politician. Right. I feel like to a certain degree on some of these issues, the right wasn't doing it so much. But I think a lot of it is because we didn't have those kinds of personalities like a Mitt Romney and a John McCain wasn't going to have a cult of personality. You know, they didn't have the personalities for it. Um, but the, but then now we've got somebody like a Donald Trump where everybody has this mentality of you either love him or you hate him. There's no in between. Uh, you know, if, if you love him, that means you have to love every single thing that he says and does. If you hate him, that means you have to hate every single thing that he says and does. And it's like and then for me, I'm like, well, can I say the things that I like and say the things that I don't? And everybody's like, no, <laughs> I'm no, just like, you absolutely cannot. And if you don't, you'll be silenced. <laughs> exactly. <You'll> be unfollowed. <laughs> exactly. And so, so, so then that make that makes this fight all that much more difficult. And I think to a certain degree, it makes this fight, um, like almost impossible until we can figure out how to get past this tribalistic mentality. I think to a certain degree, and I know you and I were kind of talking about this a little bit before, just with like the system and stuff. It's it's kind of like we got to figure out how to how to destroy the system without completely destroying the entire system to a certain degree. And it's it's like we got to figure out how to break through this this tribalistic mentality. And I'm I'm still at a loss fully how to do it, except just keep fighting and keep pushing forward. Well, it's hard because we've been pushed into tribalism and that's what Marxist cultural Marxism does. It reduces you um, and then pushes you into groups where you can be straw man and scapegoated very easily. You're not seen as a complete, complicated, diverse individual. Um, You're seen as a member of a group. And so we're being forced that way. And then that forces you kind of to think that way and and act that way. So there's a very real unavoidable reasons for the tribalism that exists today on the right. Uh, The thing is, is that we need to be aware of it, first of all, that that's what's happening. And also, as Christians, what is the tribe that we're actually supposed to be committed to? And that's the tribe of the body of Christ. And that's the tribe of, of God, you know, and uh, in humanity and how God sees these things. And, and we need to pull back from the reductionism that we've been forced into and see things more broadly in a more complicated way. That means being willing to read longer articles rather than just reading um, little a couple of paragraphs and saying everything else is too long. It means thinking through things. It means reading books and not just reading tweets. It, uh, you know, it, it means you know, pulling back and getting a better perspective and understand how you're being pigeonholed and pushed into these tribal categories and not let yourself become morphed into the very thing that they're forcing you to be. Yeah. And yeah. So awareness of it and then taking steps to break from it, even as you know, you're going to have to defend the tribe in some way or another and sometimes, um, but that's not your ultimate goal here. And that, and it, if that means you're cast out from the tribe for standing for truth, then so be it, you are. And if people don't understand your complicated, even seemingly contradictory at times, views of things, that's okay. You need to get your strength and and inner will locked with God and, and get his armor on instead of surrounding yourself in the tribe for your own protection. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. And and for me too, you know, that that's been one of my biggest wake up calls is kind of going through all this process. And, you know, I realized, uh, that my entire life, I was always a part of a tribe, you know, it was, you know, essentially the, the MacArthur tribe. Uh, but even like theologically it was, you know, you're a five point Calvinist, you're a cessationist, you, um, you know, you, you check all the boxes. You don't talk to those people that don't check those boxes because they're the bad guys. They're the false teachers. They're the heretics They're you know, and a lot of them are, but at the mm-hmm. same time, there's, there's some false teachers and heretics on our side too. But the thing, the thing, the thing that I think that we have that I began to learn and I began to realize is that, you know, once you get into this tribalistic mentality, it's like you're sticking your head in a sand, in the sand and you're not hearing other arguments. You're not hearing other ideologies. And that all that then what ends up happening is that your tribe gets just gets stronger and more extreme and more extreme and more extreme in their doctrinal beliefs and their belief systems and things like that. And you know, for me, one one of the things that I've really enjoyed doing with like with my interview podcast is I intentionally try to have on people that I disagree with because I want them to stretch me to to the point intellectually to where I'm going back to God's word. And I'm like, but this person said this about this issue. So what does God's word say about it? And then I go back and I look at God's word and then I have to make a decision. Did did their argument defeat mine when compared with scripture? So do I have to reevaluate or does it reinforce what I I already believe? And it's this constant kind of intellectual theological um, process that I go through. And I feel like it's really helped me to be able to rationalize my belief system. But when I was in this tribalistic mindset, I never went through that because I was only talking to people that were that were in agreement with me. So it, it never really helped me. And that's one of those things I think we need to kind of, you know, change our focus a little bit too as well. Well, and what you're not saying is that you're embracing every, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry that comes down the pike and any idea that comes down the pike. That's not what you're saying at all. What you're saying right. is that you understand that we only see a tiny little part and we and we can't put all our um, faith in this one little tribe and one little idea and realize that God uses many different ways to teach us and instruct us. And we need to be aware of what's going on out there as well as what is going on in scripture and bring those two together and wisdom and humility um, to be able to live as God wants us to live in this world instead of just trying to survive or trying to prop up our group, our um, our church, and become very close-minded and, and in the process setting up these little idols that we think will save us in the end. And I think that's ultimately, you know, where we are. And I'll go ahead and wrap up. I, I think that we've about covered, but we're, we're going to be doing this more often. And Jeff's such a great guy to talk to. He's so well-versed and eloquent in the way he expresses things. And I thank him for joining me today on the first Romans one podcast and hope you enjoyed it too. And Jeff, just do you have anything else to add before we leave? I just want to thank you again for being here. No, I, I really appreciate, you know, you, you coming on and I'm really excited to, you know, having you, uh, you know, join gatekeepers and, you know, carrying your podcast. And I'm really honored to, you know, be your first guest and uh, just looking forward to, you know, seeing how, how God uses this and, uh, you know, at a certain point, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at uh, a difficult road ahead as the church, as America. Um, it's going to take all of us actually being obedient to God and, uh, and making sure that we understand what we believe and then how to articulate it to not only, not only other believers, but to a lost and fallen world. And so it's going to take us all being obedient if we're going to actually turn things around. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm really appreciative of you and everybody that's listening that's actually taking the time to figure all this stuff out, too. 
I'll just say amen to that. (laughs) And thank you. And everyone have a great day. And this will be going up at Gatekeepers and Romans 1. And I'll keep you updated on future podcasts. Thanks.